Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Something Strange But True, the podcast where you, the listener, get to share your supernatural experiences here, where you send them in and I will read them for other listeners. My name is Mysterion, the mind reader, your creepy, creeptastic, freaky host and purveyor of the bazaar. And I've got some amazing letters to read to you today. And I have to admit, I've read them already, not because I'm prepared, but because I've already actually recorded this episode and accidentally erased it. No, I recorded the whole episode and was ready to post it. And yeah, it's gone. It's in the ether. It's just, it's somewhere else. And maybe maybe somebody with a Ouija board can find the other episode, but we're going to redo it. But that's okay because... The stories are super cool, super creepy, and super wild. And the first one comes to us from someone who wants to be identified as spooky. Now, I know spooky, and spooky isn't somebody to just make something up. Spooky has worked for Parks and Rec uh, in the United States and has uh, essentially a very, uh, you know, uh, vast knowledge of well, let's just say nature and what, you know, you find in nature working in the forestry industry. And uh, this story is uh, Spooky's experience with a potential encounter with what is known as the skunk man. So here's how it goes. So this was about 15 years ago. I was living in the Charleston, South Carolina area, and my in-laws had come to visit. They rented a beach house on Edesto Island, which is a good stretch from me, about 45 minutes away. And in between there and myself is at least a 20-mile stretch of nothing but forest you had to drive through. I decided to leave the beach house in the evening to return to my own. And on the drive back, it was very dark and the stretch through the woods had minimal lighting. As I came around a curve, right there standing in a ditch illuminated by my headlights was a large, hairy creature. It's hard to gauge height, but it was in a ditch. And I could see it was at least six feet above it, making it perhaps a good eight feet tall. The body was well-muscled and covered in medium-colored fur. More sparse in the chest and shoulders, it stood fully upright like a man. It didn't hunch like a bear usually does. While there are black bear sightings in the area, this was narrower in body and I stopped the car and we looked straight at each other. The face was flat, almost ape-like, and the eyes glowed red in my headlights. My heart pounded. I didn't know what to do. This was a large enough creature to come at me if it felt threatened even inside the car. And I didn't know how fast it was. It stood frozen, and I was able to stare at it for a while. I have worked at a number of state parks and nature centers as a naturalist and educator, and I am certain this was not a bear. It was too light, the fur too thin, and the face was flat. That is the key burned into my brain, the flat humanoid face. Eventually, I slowly hit the gas and left the animal behind. I did later, in my research, find other sightings of a skunk man meeting a similar description through the area. And Spooky, I've been researching the skunk man coincidentally 
for a project that I was working on about a month and a half ago and uh, did a little bit of research on the skunk man and other uh, bipedal cryptids. And I'm so happy to see how many people have been contributing their experiences with uh, encounters with cryptids. I didn't expect as many. I have a Bigfoot uh, encounter already up. Uh, we have the skunk man. I've spoken to somebody for a future episode about their father's encounter with a Wendigo. Uh, the Simmo Key in North Canada. I mean, these, um, you know, humanoid, Bigfoot, hairy primate, you know, Yowie in Australia, the Yeti in the Himalayas. These, these are a common uh, sighting. And, and I, I didn't expect to have so many people uh, on my friends list uh, with experiences with uh, encountering these creatures. I have still yet to see, meet, or find any evidence of such a uh, an animal. Uh, and I would love to. So thank you. Thank you very much, Spooky. And we're going to move on to another tale. And this one's a two-parter, and it comes from David. And I've obviously read this one already. This one's pretty cool. I was with a friend at his apartment and he told me there was negative spirits living in his home. I told him that my father, who dabbled in magic in his youth, taught me something called the Key of Solomon, wherein malignant spirits would be driven off forcibly. He agreed to try it. Since it's in Latin, I spelt it out phonetically and told him not to practice it because abuse of the words could, quote, lead an archangel to visit you and warn against it, end quote, as my dad had warned me, which to me sounded awesome until he told me that the angel would take a very strange shape and very unnatural behavior, such as possessing a cat, which would then stand on its hind legs and in perfect English tell you to stop immediately. Okay, you know what, David, I have got to admit that this has piqued my curiosity and I would like to just, you know, encant this spell just to see what happens to my cat. I mean, if my cat Jack stood on his hind legs and started to warn me about, um, you know, demons and possession and this sort of thing, I mean, that would, that would just make my week. That'd make my year. That would be the coolest thing I'd ever seen. And I would film it and it would go viral. And, and then we would be uh, internet stars. Um, so yeah, I mean, what a, what a cool, cool thing to have happen as a warning. Let's see what actually happened. When he was ready, I told him to speak it forcibly and with confidence, and together we spoke it so, and a wash of prickly energy completely saturated us both. He was like, oh my God, did you feel that? And I described what I'd felt, and he was shivering from that night. He didn't have anything bother him with the resident mischief makers. Wow. Interesting. I mean, I've essentially have had experiences and have heard of people asking just asking uh, a presence in their home to to essentially go away leave me alone you're you know you're welcome to stay here but don't make yourself seen or, or just get out you're not welcome here this is my home now and it working so I'm not going to say that I don't believe this I'm going to just say that uh, you may have done a little bit too much you may have um, you know called in the exterminator for one bug but but wow what a cool uh what a cool story and 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 i'm glad it worked for your friend and the second uh story is from when 
Uh, I'm going to read this from when I was 17 years old. Of course, David's uh, 17 years old. It was a Saturday night and a bunch of us were bored. And so, you know what you do when you're bored on the weekend? You go to school. We drove up to Codrington College, pretty much all dark except for some property lights. And we sat on the lunch benches around the front area between the building and the tennis courts until we got bored. And then one of my buddies got the great idea to break into the school. Schools in the Caribbean are not like schools here. They are old colonial buildings. And at that time, locks were only a safety protocol. No alarms, no bars on the windows, just deadbolts and key locks. We sort of looked around to see how to get in, but there was no obvious way. I decided to go up to the massive oaken double doors at the top of the front steps and give them a pull because, you know, someone may have forgotten to lock them. And it says here I wasn't feeling good about breaking it anyway, so I wanted to try and then give up. I grabbed the handles and gave them a back and forth shake. I could hear and feel the resistance of the deadbolt attached to the inner bottom of each door shifting back and forth in their concrete holes on the floor. Something which could only be dropped or raised from the inside. Uh, you know, think of the sliding door lock but going vertical into the ground. Unless you were willing to break the metal welding which held the bolts to the back of the door by battering the door in with a giant tree, there was basically no hope of getting in that door from the outside. I turned and went to the top step and side locked. I shouted down to my friends who were waiting at the bottom near the car. I threw my hands up and then suddenly started to point behind me and back off looking traumatized. I turned to see these giant doors opening silently right behind me. I jumped down all 10 steps in one jump and dove into my car, starting it. I didn't drive away though. I thought a groundsman or the like might come out and of course we'd be ratted on and get shit on on Monday, but nobody ever came out. My friends were urging me to drive away, but I just stared up at those giant doors, opened fully to their maximum, the darkness still within the main hall beyond. I couldn't leave the doors like that. Someone could now get in and rob the place, so I got out, walked up the stairs and closed each door until the bolts fell back into their holes, then ran back to the car and drove away. Oh, and the bolts were down. They scraped along the concrete as I closed them, but they were completely silent when they opened behind me. I later found out that the Codrington School was a boarding school in the 1800s and a girl had killed herself by jumping out of the upstairs window. I never knew if that was her or not, but I never went back at night again. That is very, very cool, David. Um, <clears throat> you know, I've been in schools that were abandoned. I have done um, filming on shoots in old schools here in Toronto from the 20s that were uh, essentially shut down. And a school at night is a pretty creepy place because, you know, obviously it's uh, it's empty and you're used to seeing it filled with kids. And so, you know, the idea of the spirits of past children running through the halls and laughing and poking around from behind doors um you know kind of haunted me when I was walking around the set to you know use the facilities or go get a pop or something and and you know this was in the day and, and then when it got dark it got really spooky because some of the hallways were still turned off um 
and yet there were, uh, you know, green rooms and this sort of thing that you'd have to access by going through these uh, dimly lit, you know, corridors. And so I can only imagine a, an old colonial building, you know, uh, in the Caribbean with this history and the the doors unlocking, these almost institutional-like doors just opening up to swallow you in um, forever. I mean, that's, that is creepy stuff. And uh, yeah, thank you. I could actually look up the Codrington School and probably use an image of that building for the icon for this episode. If you're looking for something scary, I highly suggest checking out I Think I'm Scary on Facebook. I Think I'm Scary is a platform for horror culture from artists and authors and anybody and everybody who works in the genre of all things spooky and scary. Go and check them out on their Facebook group, I Think I'm Scary, and watch for their new show on YouTube. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, boils and ghouls, that is another episode of Something Strange But True. I want to thank you again for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe and tell all your friends about this creepy podcast. My name is Mysterion, and I will see you in my favorite place, the future. Stay scared. <laughs>